Zen Parenting Radio, you're so good. Back by popper demand from last week's ditty, Zen Parenting Radio. You know, I think we're going to have to find another word besides ditty. How about song? I like using the word ditty. Diddy's got a nice uh, ring to it. Diddy. I know, I know, but I listened to our show last week, and you said Diddy about 12 times. I did not say the word <laughs> Diddy 12 times, Diddy. You did at the very beginning. I remember. Well, welcome. Uh, we're back for another installment oh, of Zen Parenting Radio, brought to you by Avid Company, painting, remodeling in the Chicagoland area. Yes, this is Kathy Adams. This is Todd Adams. Uh, how are you feeling today? Yeah. I don't feel 100% today. That's what we like to say in our house when we're not well. Instead of saying we're sick, we just say, oh, we don't feel 100%. That's right. And maybe you should just say you're sick. Uh, I know. Maybe that's something I need to learn. I just like to say I'm not 100%. I remember um, on an earlier episode, uh, I talked about how when I'm sick, I just kind of say I'm sick and leave me alone. And you kind of identified with maybe a lot of other moms who say, I can't be sick because I have to run a household or something else. And, you know, I I put you in a position to rest. And what did you do? I got up to do the show. You got up to do the show. and But you know what I'm going to do after we're done taping the show? You're going to rest. I'm going to go back to bed. Yeah. See, it's very hard for me to lie in bed knowing that this is sitting out here and it's something that I have to do eventually. So, And I love doing it. I also miss it. So... I wanted to do it, and then I can rest my head for an hour. I wonder why you're uh, sick. Uh, did you have <laughs> how, how have your last five or six days gone? Well, actually, I don't. Well, I know where you're going. You you think I'm sick because I went away for the weekend with my friends, right? Well, I think that that might have something to do with it. Well, I went away. Let's see, last week, Wednesday through Sunday, with my girlfriends. And had a great time. We went to Miami, which I highly recommend. That place is South nutty. Beach. Yeah, that place is fun. Bienvenido a Miami. Exactly. And we heard that several times. They play it. It's their theme song. Um, so we went away. Um, and yes, my I didn't sleep as much as I normally do. And I had a, you know, I was out a lot and, you know, not eating typical foods that I eat. But So what was the average time that you ended up deciding to go to sleep? <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> well, the first night I went to bed at midnight. Oh, that sounds good. Second night I went to bed at five. <laughs> five? I, I didn't know restaurants were open till five. Miami's open till forever. Oh, is that right? But anyway, and then the next night we went to bed a little earlier than five, and then the next night I got plenty of sleep. Um, but I was fine Monday and Tuesday. Right. It's just today that I don't feel good. Now I feel like I need to perk up so I can um, make sure that you don't feel like going on vacations isn't a good idea because it is a good idea. It is a good idea. Yes. And that's actually what I wanted to talk about today. Okay, let's which talk. Was, okay. So I wanted to talk about the fact that, you know, connecting to last week, um, you know, we were discussing how um, sometimes, you know, we all have challenges and we had some things going on in our house that were, you know, challenging and how initially um, my first response to uh, – to going on this vacation, even though it's been planned forever, was maybe I shouldn't go because, you it know... It seems like uh, at, right before almost every vacation, you have thoughts of maybe you shouldn't go. I know. And I think that that is a... That'd be considered a pattern. That is a pattern. And why why does that pattern exist? Um, I don't know if I can answer why it exists. I can just say that I, I feel... Um, it's difficult for me to leave because there's a lot of responsibilities that I have and a lot of things that I'm dependent on to do. And 
Okay, and that, you know what? That was just a total cop-out. Mm-hmm. That was like, that was saying that it's, I'm not leaving because of you guys. It's hard for me, me. to leave. You it's hard to for me to separate. Exactly. Um, from you guys because this is my comfort zone and I feel needed here and it's hard for me to leave for a significant amount of time. Right. I can go, I don't have any problem going out for a night or doing a dinner or even going away for a night, but we were going to be gone for five days, my girlfriends and I, and that was hard. And approximately how long did it take once we dropped you off at the airport for you to not feel any home-ridden guilt? I was pretty good on the plane. Yeah, so it takes you like 10 <laughs> minutes, right? I was pretty good once I was on the plane. And I also, but once I got there, it took me kind of another day to relax. But by Thursday, I was... You're all good. I was all about Miami. Mm-hmm. Good. So it was a good choice. It always is a good choice. How many times have I done this? Like you seven, it, eight years. You do it one big trip once a year. Right. And so every year I go through this experience of, you know, should I go away for this long? And... Thankfully, the answer is always yes. I've never not, but I still have the same struggle before I go. But the reason that I, um, getting back to what I was saying about, you know, we were having some challenges and initially my thought was, well, I shouldn't go. It's not the right time. Because we were going certain thi- going through certain things uh, in our... I was just thinking my daughters need me right yes, now. right. But the truth is, it was a really good time for me to stand back and get some perspective. Um, I say that because I'm. I know that they are in good hands with you, mm-hmm. so I'm not concerned about their care at all. So that's easy enough. Um, but I also needed to get back in tune with myself, so I could come back and be with them, clear-headed. Because what happens when we're in a crisis, any any kind of crisis, we get so caught up in it that it's hard to get perspective. Right. And honestly, I think it was the greatest gift I could have been given that we were having some challenges and then all of a sudden this trip came up. Right. Because it actually gave me an opportunity to clear my head in a real way. Well, and it forced you to detach from yes. what from the crisis. And it wasn't a crisis. It it was, you know, family issues that were going to be fine. Right. We, but you, right. but, but we, I think it was healthy for you to be able to detach. So it actually all worked out perfectly. It actually did. And I, and what I'm able to do when I go away with my friends, um, and I, I think you would say similarly, is it's not just about going on vacation. You know, Todd and I always talk about self-care and about, oh, you need to do this and go do this. And for me, going away with my friends is not just about the vacation and the beach and everything. It's about um, getting back to myself and remembering who I am. Uh, I think that even though I feel very um, content with my life here, um, you know, as a mom and being with you and I love my day-to-day experiences, um, just the fact that I am a mom and a wife and, you know, and I work and all those kind of things, I lose myself, like who I am and what makes me feel good um, if I don't take an opportunity to step back and be alone for a while or be with girlfriends who know me really well. You needed to get out of mom mode. I needed to get out of mom mode. And, and every mom needs to get out of mom mode and every dad needs to get out of dad mode. This, right. It's all, you know, it's it's like we're beating a dead horse, but it's what we've said since the very first show is, you know, take care of yourself, recharge your own battery. So... You are in a position, once you get back from wherever it is that you went, whether it's physical or emotional, or um, to be able to be there wholly for your kids. And even simple things, you know, like my, because I'm in mom mode most of the time, 
Um, I'm not really um, connected to what's going on with fashion and trends and that kind of thing. It's just not part of my day-to-day experience. And my girlfriend's like, you know, they're like, oh, wear these earrings and, oh, wear my heels and, you know, try this and things that I just My guy friends do the same thing with me, (laughs) I tell you. They're like, put those jeans on. That makes your butt look better. (laughs) Well, you know, that wouldn't be... Well, I guess guys would never do that. No, we don't do that. um, I guess my point is is that not only do um, do I get back to that place where I think about those things, but I have these, you know, people around me that I love who are taking care of me and saying this... You know, you should try this, Kathy, and you should do this. And i that's hard to do in mom mode. That yep. Those are things I don't... Th- I don't read in Style Magazine. I don't know what's going on. Well, I know what's going Did on Did your friends take pity on you because you look like a bag lady? No, it wasn't that bad. I oh. mean, I had a dress or two, but I just don't take the the time always to focus on my appearance. And, and Thrifty McSaves a lot. Is a big fan of that. Yes, I know you are. See, that that works very well in our family, the fact that I'm not a big shopper. Yes. Um, but there are times when I think it's good for, I'll just say it's good for me, I think it's good for the soul to focus on those things and to you know realize what makes you feel good. Because at the same time, when we do go on a date and I dress up, that's fun for you, right? Absolutely, yeah. Right? So... You know, I, and really, I'm doing it for myself as much as you. It's not just about you know dressing up for you. But I guess the point is, is that that was inspiring to me. I was like, oh, big earrings are back. I used to wear those in college all the time, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna wear big earrings again. And oh, these heels are, you know, they're interesting. Actually, they hurt my feet, but they look good. <laughs> I don't know how any girls ever walk around in high heels. I know, and since I've become you know a yogi, um, you know, I'm so focused on my feet and keeping my feet healthy that it feels weird to put them into heels. But, you know, for one night, why not? Or four nights. Or four did you wear nights. high heels every night? No, I did not. I think I wore them twice. But regardless, point being is that those are things that are good, that inspire me, that, you know, I come home with new ideas. And, and besides those kind of things, we laugh so much. Um, my girlfriends and I have been sending these emails back and forth about all the kind of inside jokes from the weekend and all the things we talked about or discussed or, you know, we just have so many inside jokes and the humor is that in itself, you know, adds years to my life. Well, and I could see um, the dads on the show listening saying, Todd, what are you doing? You're killing me because now my wife is going to want to go to (laughs) Miami or whatever. And, And that may be true, guys, but I will say that this is a deposit in an emotional bank account. I mean, we've talked about that in the past. And basically, you know, it makes it easier because I'm going to Boise with a bunch of my buddies in June. And it makes it so much easier for me to say, hey, listen, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. And if you if don't have off. that for yourself, then it makes it very hard for me to say, hey, I, I need to go away for four days because I'm going on a whitewater rafting trip or something like that. So it's all about you know, leveling the playing field and, and, and doing it. So, and you know, the reason that we went to Miami and made it such a big trip is I'm turning 40 this year. Big so this, the big four, oh, man, you are old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Todd's a year younger than me. So he thinks he's, I'm know, a baby. He's, he's 39. So that's, he thinks that's, oh no, you're 38. I'm 38. I'm 39. I'm I'll not going to turn 39 soon. for like two years <laughs> yeah. or, or three months. Whatever. Um, but anyway, this is our 40th trip, and so we made it a little bigger than usual. These girls' trips are sometimes just in Chicago. I live in Chicago, so we just go downtown, or we go to Galena, which is you know in Illinois, and it's just a drive. So they don't always have to be so grand, but this year we wanted to make it a little more grand, and it mm-hmm. definitely was. Do it up right. I know. You why only not? only turn 40 once. I know. So... I also wanted to talk about, though, you know, going back to why the trips are so important, that I think that it's part of my responsibility as a parent 
to make sure that I have those things for myself, that I have my own life, and that I do find humor in my life and that I do take care of myself in those ways because I feel like if if I have other things around me that are filling me up, I parent a lot more effectively. And so that's, you know, part of what I preach is taking responsibility for yourself so you can be more present for your children. Because if your day-to-day experiences, um, if every single waking moment, if everything you look forward to, if everything you do is all wrapped around your children, um, that's a really heavy burden. And what would happen if you go down that path and say that, you know, parents who are wholly 100% invested in their children and basically put their own needs aside, fast forward that, you know, 10 years to when they're in high school or whatever, and then all of a sudden, you know, their success and failures are dependent. Your happiness is dependent exactly. on their success and failures, exactly. and you have nothing for yourself. And so think about how you're going to respond when your children do, quote-unquote, fail, whatever that means. Right. You know, don't have a success or the way you want it to be. It becomes your issue, too, because you are, you're, you're completely dependent on them to kind of fill you up. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, it becomes not this thing that your child is doing to experience life. And, you know, you can't be there to support them. You're stressing out just as bad as they are. Right. So you need to create some space between that. I don't know if I'll be able to describe this, but you need to be able to be outside of it. And Because if you're 100% wholly invested on how your son or daughter does in a basketball game when they're 13 years old and they lose, then all of a sudden you can't be there to support them because you're wholly invested in it also. You're freaking out because they lost and you're feeling that pain, not... Not as a parent, but as is like you experienced it yourself. Right. And this is so interesting. Can I, I want to take this back to um, when we first become parents. Like one of the things that I write about or I used to write about is when I was a new mom was that when we become parents, we have this huge identity shift where initially we were living our own life, doing our own thing. Um, having our own experiences, and then this child comes into our life, and we realize our whole our whole life gets turned upside down in the best ways and in the most challenging ways. More so for moms in the beginning than the dads. Right, dads kind of comes along. We do make that distinction yeah. because the mom's world turns upside down. Sorry to interrupt. That's right, but we have this huge identity shift where we we start to connect to being a parent and what that means. And so here's the crazy irony: with I don't know if that'd be the right word, but we then have to balance that out as we go, so we don't fully. It's like, you know, we're we're not parents, and then we have to fully embrace being parents, and then we have to balance it out and hold on to ourselves so our whole life doesn't become about parenting. I mean, to be be honest, most of my day-to-day experience, 90% is about being a mom. You know, I'm driving people to and from. I'm getting people ready in the morning. I'm, you know, reading with my girls. I'm doing homework. But I have to save that 10% for me. Um, where I work or go be alone, or if I can't, you know, do it on one day, the next day I have to make sure I I save something for me so I can actually be present for them when they are having experiences that are challenging. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Um, and I'm trying to think of examples as a dad how I can you know relate relate to this. Um, growing up, I just remember, and and even as a parent, I. I Go to my daughter's soccer game. Soccer games. I remember growing up playing t-ball and baseball, and there is just some crazy parenting going on. And what I mean by that is there would be a parents. Um, so I'm at a baseball game. I'm like eight years old, and the parents would get so into it that they would end up screaming at the top of their lungs 
at the umpire, and the umpire ha- happened to be like a 13-year-old kid. Right. And it seemed like every other game, a parent would make the 13-year-old umpire cry. And that is the most insane thing in the world. But what I will say is it's easy to fall into that trap. I've fallen into that trap, not that I yell at umpires or referees on soccer fields, but just at, at JC soccer games. Oh, I know. Games, I was going to bring this up if you didn't. Yeah. I would, you know, it's just so hard to create that separation. I know. Sometimes because you just want to see him do well, you want to see him win, you want to see him have fun, and it's more fun when you're winning than when you're losing. And well, we get invested in it. We get invested in it. So I, I, I just say that because it's... Well, let's talk about JC's game. This is what happened when she first started playing soccer, which was like a year or two ago. So, you know, Todd and I, we preach all these things. We know all these things internally. You know, you just kind of stand back and watch your children and allow. And then here we were on the sidelines watching JC play soccer because she really didn't know how yet. And we were screaming. We were like, run! Kick the ball. Kick the, Kick ball, the ball. They run. just stand there and look at the ball. I mean, they're getting better, but... In the beginning, they just stand there and wait for somebody else to kick it. Well, and let, me let me tell you why I think that happens is because, first of all, this, these are girls playing soccer, and they have been taught their whole life to, you know, be gentle with people, to, you know, to not get in people's way, to not get in people's space, to be kind. And all of a sudden, we're asking them to run into each other and, and kick and each other. And be aggressive. And to be that. aggressive. And that's just that they don't know that And I yet. think that's a bigger leap for the girls than it is for the boys. Maybe. And that's, I don't think that that's sexism or or anything we uh, we we treat generally speaking we treat our girls a little bit differently yeah. than we treat our boys yeah and so to ask a girl to you all know, of a sudden get aggressive and get in there right, and, and take that ball and mm-hmm. run with it and you know they don't you know it's almost like you could hear them saying please and thank you while they're you know kicking that ball around the field and so we were sitting there yelling saying run 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 and then after the game we kind of looked at each other and laughed like oh my gosh yeah, we're what crazy. just happened we're one to of us? those crazy parents so anyways that's just uh that's kind of a sidebar so. well no i think it's a very good point because the thing that was funny about it the reason we were able to laugh afterwards is because we did have the awareness of what we were doing mm-hmm. and i think a lot of parents go into that situation and have the same experience where they yell but they say no i'm doing it for my kid mm-hmm. and it's like mm, are you really like there have been so many stories oh yeah they they will use their child as an excuse for their own stuff right instead of saying no this is important to, to me, me, they won't admit that. And how this ties back to you going on a trip with your girlfriends in my, to Miami is unless you have things of your own that have nothing to do with you being a mom, then what else are you going to put your claws into other right. than your kids' activities? You're going to be so invested in their, again, successes and failures. And I kind of put that in air quotes because that's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, what success means is so different for every family. But regardless, you know, we get so invested. You know, I think we've talked about it in the first couple of shows. But, you know, so many moms get so invested in my daughters need to dance because I did. Or my or the dad gets invested in my son needs to play basketball because I did. And if we're if we're that, you know what the, the clinical word is, is enmeshment. Right. Where you're so enmeshed with your kids, you can't see... Um, yourself anymore. You you think that what they're doing, you know, everything they do affects you. Um, you're you're too in. It's almost like you're too involved mm-hmm. because then if your child, okay, let's talk about the little girl who's dancing and her mom is really invested in it. If the little girl was struggling with dancing or didn't like dancing anymore or had other ideas, she would probably be not 
as she wouldn't want to go to her mom because she'd know how much she'd disappoint her. So you see how you become not a support system. You become too involved. And what's important is the parents are doing this with, I think, the best of intentions. Yeah, they're saying, here's what I did, and I had a good experience, and I want you to have the same experience I did. So all the intention is good. Right. It gets lost somewhere. And I don't know where it gets lost, but it gets lost somewhere. Well, I think it gets lost in exactly what we're talking about because they are... They had dreams, Mm -hmm. and they are now having their child live these dreams instead of the parent living the dreams. Yeah, why can't we as parents? Like, it's weird. Like, you always think of kids having dreams to do what they want to do. What's wrong with us as parents having our own dreams? And that's not to say none of us have it, but it's just easier to glom onto somebody else's dream than have the guts to do something out of the box. Absolutely. Like, you know what? I'm going to say this on this radio show so everybody knows this is my dream. One of my dreams is I need to start dancing again. Mm -hmm. I always go dancing with my girlfriends, but I mean, I really want to dance, dance. I want to learn. I want to be current. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to know what I'm doing. And I have been, it's been on my vision board for what now, a year, uh, two years, because I know it's what I want. You know, I go into a dance studio with my three-year-old daughter and I want to like live there. (laughs) I want to stay there. But I'm very clear that it's not about Skylar. It's about me. You know, Um, I'm the one who wants to be there. So I'm saying that just in case anybody has an idea of someone who would like to teach me, please put... (laughs) Please uh, comment on our Facebook page. But um, I guess my point being is, though, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you're 40 years old. You know, your time has passed. And that's... I, I disagree. And, yeah, we're here to say with absolute that it is not. It is not passed. Never stop learning. Never stop, you know, and it's easy in the day-to-day struggles of parenting to get lost, to forget about that. And maybe this show is one teeny tiny reminder of saying, listen, just because you're a parent with uh, all these responsibilities doesn't mean that you can't carve out something for yourself. Like, I'm going to start taking up the piano. It's something I've always wanted to do. Yeah, he's talked about it forever. Forever. And, um, you know, I got no idea what it's going to turn into, but I got to throw my hat in the ring and see what happens. Well, and I think a lot of learning something brand new, like you learning piano and me going into, you know, having a 20-year-old teach me how to dance, is that we have to be a little vulnerable and be willing to know that we don't know everything, but that's okay, and that we are willing to be students again. Like, do you remember after um, I came home from my first um, yoga teacher training with Sarah, mm-hmm. what I said to you when I came downstairs? I don't remember. Well, I, you know, I've been in this parenting profession forever, or this teaching profession, so I kind of feel comfortable in this world. And a couple of years ago, when I decided to become a yoga teacher, I thought, oh, I know yoga, this will be no big deal. And I went to my first teacher training class, and I came home, and I came downstairs, and I almost cried, and I said, I know nothing about it. I know because, nothing about it. And the reason it. you said that is because you're probably a good student. Um, of yoga right. and you can do a lot of the poses but teaching it is something completely different and, and to be with my teacher who has so much to share and i was like whoa i am venturing into a whole new world right right and then not only that is not only is it important for for us as adults to have something of our own that we can grab onto um it's important modeling for your kids absolutely because they you know our girls might remember oh yeah mommy and daddy did that dance and piano thing when they were yeah. adults so maybe when they're in their 40s or, you know, you're going to be in your 40s. I'm still in my 30s. Yeah, whatever. So just making sure. Maybe when da- you know, I remember when Daddy was in his 30s and he took the piano. <laughs> in his when, late 30s. And Mama was in her 40s or something like that and she did the dance thing. So anyways. When, when Dad was young and Mama was old. That's right. Yeah. When Dad was so young. And, 
Um, so we're just modeling that good behavior. I mean, not that that's your intention, but it well, is a result of it. Dreams don't end. Like, right. just because, you know, that's another thing. When I um, did a lot more individual coaching with moms, the, the model that I, the coaching model I used was all about finding a dream. And, you know, that's what the um, moms would say to me is they, you know, the things like, well, I can't do that. I'm too busy with this. Or if I was going to do this, I should have started when I was 17. Or, or I should have, you know, I'm not going to go back to school. I'm, I've already on my career path. Come on. Right. You know, this we, this is like, I mean, this is going to be cheesy and cliche, but we have one life and we have to choose how we're going to live it. And if we are going to do something we hate all day long, you know, or do a job that we think we have to do because we don't have any other options, then I think that's really sad. What's the story that Wayne Dyer says about even Ilyich? There's a book out there, and at the end of the book, it is about this guy. I think, I don't know if it was fiction or nonfiction. It's it's Ivan Ilyich, and I actually, I just, it's part of my conclusion of my book. Oh, it is? Yes, well, it is. You I just, might know the story. I mean, can you... Yes, I can. Um, I... It's actually, and I'll just tell this whole story. Um, when I was in college, I had to take this extra class uh, one summer at Kishwaukee College in DeKalb, and um, I it was an English class, and I was like, whatever. It was short stories, but the short story that we ended up reading was Ivan Ilyich, which is by Leo Tol- Tolstoy, and it's a story about how um, it's actually called the death of Ivan Ilyich, so it gives away the ending. He does die. Well, but, so do we all. Right? So do we all. Um, but on his deathbed, he basically has the realization that um, he didn't live his life, that he um, didn't he didn't have an open heart. He didn't realize what he really wanted for himself. He didn't love his wife fully. Mm-hmm. He didn't take care of his children the way he wanted to. It was like the fog that he had been living in was completely lifted five minutes before death. And he was, it's actually kind of a morbid piece. You know, it's like a sad piece. Well, and I think the last line in the book is what if my whole life was wrong? What if my whole life was wrong? And and I what I write in my conclusion in my book is that that at 20 years old is when I read that and it kind of freaked me out right. because I was still developing my own self-identity and I didn't know what that means. Like, how do I know? But that story stayed with me. And as you and I now know, we read a lot of self-help authors and we see a lot of you know motivational speakers and such. And so many people use that story as mm-hmm. kind of their parable and metaphor. You know, that's the, that is one of these stories that a lot of teachers use because it is so profound. I mean, the translation to current movies would be in Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. He says... Uh, Get busy living? Uh, yeah. Andy Dufresne says to his buddy Red, uh, it comes to one choice in life, really, and it's get busy living or get busy dying. So, you know... And what? And that one guy, what was that one guy who hung himself? Brooks. Brooks. Brooks he, he, he decides he can't do it. Yeah. Poor little guy. He was a nice guy. He was in his bird, He's Jake. the one who quoted, easy peasy, Japanese Yeah, which you say all the time. Yeah, um, but yeah, Brooks couldn't do it, but Red decided, you know, he's, you know, yeah, he had lived his whole life in prison. But um, he was going to make a choice to continue his life. It doesn't end. You know, our life is not over when we have children and then it all becomes about our children. If we can have a life of our own, we are so much better for our children Mm -hmm. because they have this role model of that life. You know, it's not always great. I mean, when Todd, that's, you know, we're talking about ways to make the challenges less difficult, meaning find things in your life that um, that you enjoy, if it be dancing or yoga or, you know, you're going to play piano and, you know, you play basketball, like find things and do them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the whole martyrdom thing about we have to give our lives over to other people and only do what other people tell us to do is um, it's not true. Well, and I feel like we should probably talk really briefly about balance because if that's all you're doing, 
um, is you know taking care of yourself and doing your dreams at the expense. And, right. And that's why I said 90% of my day I'm with my kids, right? Right. right. It's that 10% that I try to hold on to. I so agree, and I'm glad you brought up balance because some people will take it to the extreme and say, hey, I can go out every night. You know, hey, this, sh- this should be all about me. That's not the case. It's a balance of knowing what your job is as a mom or as a wife or in your work world, but also knowing that to do those jobs well, you need to take care of yourself. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about anything you may have coming up or um, presentations know, or books or well, anything like just, that. Just, you know, anybody who needs me for a presentation, I have some a little bit of time left in the spring. And um, if you... Uh, need me for anything, just go to kathycassaniadams.com, email me, let me know. I have a whole list of presentations that I can do um, that are listed on my website. And some of your most successful ones have been kind of in a book club-esque yes. philosophy. If you uh, already have a group that you know already meets monthly, that's the best time to bring me in because everyone's already going to be there enjoying each other and I can come in and speak and leave and right. um, I enjoy that very much. And also, you know, The Self-Aware Parent is obviously still available on my website and on Amazon. What's your website? Um... KathyCassaniAdams.com. Okay, I just want to say Just that. say it again. And um, my second book is almost done. And then my Chicago Parent blog, also uh, ChicagoParent.com. It's called The Self-Aware Parent. All good. Um, and I will talk about our sponsor, Avid Company. They do remodeling and painting uh, in the Chicagoland area. They are good at what they do, so please give them a call. Their number is 630-956-1800. And they, uh, you could find their link on our webpage, which is... Yeah, like their Facebook page, too. Yeah. We we need we need to increase the traffic, the volume on, on their, their Facebook, Facebook page. page. So <laughs> go ahead and do that. So are you not going to sing us another song? Um, no, I'm I'm not feeling Acapella? the vibe. I'm no? not feeling the vibe. Okay. But uh, I got, you want to keep them waiting for more. I know they'll they'll come back next week just to hear you. You guys are going to have to really really wait those seven days. I know it's going to be tough. So this is uh, Todd Adams saying. I reckon I like them French fried potatoes. And this is Kathy Adams. I'll feel better next week. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.